right, and welcome back to another episode of Talking Shop. I am your host, Gary Putnick. We got a packed show for you guys today. We got all things FSU baseball leading up to the Super Regional in Louisiana, at Louisiana State, and this weekend in Baton Rouge. Today we are joined by, we got, a, we got more than just a couple guests coming on, actually. We got Brett Rutherford, who's been with us for the past two episodes. Luke Fay, who's been with us previously talking some softball. Woo! Thank you, Luke, for jo- chiming in. And then we're also going to have a few other people. Gianna Rontis, did I get that right? And then Oh, nailed it. Perfect, great. And then Alex Crutcher, also from V89. And then, so, but first off, I want to lead off the show with a little shout-out to the Florida State Marching Chiefs Band. They went over to Normandy in France to perform for the 75th anniversary of D-Day. Big, it was obviously a huge event. They were one of the only people invited to go there and perform. They were obviously performing because it was the 75th anniversary of the invasion of the beach at Normandy, where the Americans, and joined by Canadians, French, and British forces, invaded France in an attempt to take down the German forces who were holding the beach. So just shout out to them and shout out, and just thank you to everyone who has served, and especially those who had served in that uh, attack on Normandy. So let's get into some baseball, though, guys. This is why we're here right now. It's a lot right now. We didn't expect FSU to get here, mainly Brett and I. I don't know if Luke, uh, we didn't really talk that much going into it. Did you expect Florida Very State pessimistic, to be here? Gary. Very pessimistic. Well, we, this is, I'm just stating the facts. Brett and I did not expect Florida State to be here coming into the Athens Regional. Isn't that right, Brett? No, I mean, I, I, I think I was even slightly more skeptical uh, than you were. I didn't even think they would win a game, or maybe they'd beat Mercer. Wow. Um, but they were going to really struggle at, at, at that regional lose that game one against FAU, just because I thought FAU was a better team. Um, mm-hmm. And But I also mentioned on that episode that, that when the bats are hot, they're hot. And all weekend, uh, the Florida State offense was, was really mashing the baseball. And uh, here they are in Baton Rouge. Gary, I know in the last episode – uh, you know, it looked like there was a chance that uh, Super Regional Baseball would be played in Tallahassee at Dick Hauser Stadium, and I was going to try to convince you to get up to Tallahassee. And, you know, it turns out it's uh, over here in Baton Rouge, and I end up out here at LSU getting ready to watch this series, and I couldn't be more excited. Well, yeah, not Gary, only this you... place is amazing. I wish I was there with you guys right now. It sounds like you guys are going to have a ball this weekend. Definitely. Oh, so excited. All right. So let's get into this series a little bit more. LSU, we talked about it a bit on the last episode, just with Brett and I, but LSU comes into the season with a, let's get it right up here, 40-24 and record, 38-8 and at home. And for the all-time series, LSU and Florida State are actually tied at 9-9, and but at LSU, Florida State is actually tied again with LSU 2-2. and So, and the last, well, if you guys forget, don't forget the last time these two teams met was in Omaha in the College World Series where FSU lost to LSU two times in a row to end their season and their chance at raising the trophy. So, I don't know, what are you, what are you guys some thoughts coming into this series? Just general ideas. Gary, LSU has had Florida State's number in softball as well. If you don't remember, a couple of years ago, LSU denied Florida State from, I believe, going mm-hmm. to the Women's College World Series. And then true. the following year, Florida State got revenge against LSU. Uh, there's a lot of history between these two teams in softball and baseball in the athletic uh, form. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I know it's it has. Keep going. Brett. It hasn't been since. Uh, yeah, it hasn't been since like the 1980s, I believe, since Florida State actually played here at Alex Box Stadium. Uh, and I, I think I think it's going to be if you look at the slate of super regionals. Um, if you're looking for a series that's going to have the most atmosphere, the most excitement, um, it's going to be right here in Baton Rouge because we just came back from the stadium uh, and I have not seen a more beautiful venue for college baseball and a more intimate venue for college baseball that can fit over 7,500 fans in such a small space. Uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to make for some really exciting baseball. Now, did you guys get there in time at the stadium to hear, get in on the press conference a bit with Mike Martin or the LSU team? The, uh, uh, we just missed it. Yeah, the, the press conference was a little bit a little bit later. Um, but we did get to catch a little bit of BP 
And uh, one person that stood out was Elijah Cabell. Um, he, he didn't play at all, I believe, in the uh, Super Regional um, with, with Tim Becker taking his spot. But he seemed in like he seemed in pretty good spirits. And, and in my opinion, I think Mike Martin is going to use him as one of those pinch hitters in a big situation in the eighth or seventh inning. Um, and he's got a lot of confidence. So we, we saw him, the people running the bases, and usually in those drills at the end of practices, no one really cares. But he, he it, Brett, to me, it looked like he was giving a lot of effort today. Well, now he really has something to play for. I think everything that went down last weekend in Athens with Tim Becker being put in the starting lineup on Friday and staying in it the entire weekend, you know, Elijah Cabell with this freshman class, he was the cornerstone of that class. He was supposed to be the most talented, the most powerful player in that class. And he struggled a little bit this season. I think this is really going to be a humbling experience for him. He's got something to work towards now. He knows now that nothing is promised at this level of baseball. And, and yeah, Luke, I completely agree with you. He looked like, you know, he, he was really hustling out there at practice. I know that's, that's probably expected. Um, but even in those, in those little drills, he, I mean, he was giving it his all. And I'll be, I'm not quite sure if he'll play or not this weekend. He could come off the bench. Um, I know that's a pretty high leverage situation for, for a freshman, um, but it'll definitely be something to keep an eye out for. Gary, I yeah. also want to add that when, when I was uh, listening to their BP, you could hear the, the sound off his bat. He's got the power. That's, there's uh, that's no doubt I, about it. I've been saying and, that about Cabell since day one when I saw him, that the ball just jumps off his bat. And it's something else, isn't it? And I think, I think it was he, he might have been going through a little bit of slump in practice as well. Mm-hmm. Because I could hear the people, you know, the pitchers shagging balls and everything. And he hit one that was a moon, just an absolute bomb. And you could hear the outfielder go, finally, you know, yelling to him. <laughs> and, then, and then the next pitch, he hit the same one, but even farther. Like, mm-hmm. what, not even close. I think they said it went over the scoreboard. And you could just tell that the, the players maybe, maybe saw that he was going through a slump as well. And – now he's starting to show a little bit more confidence within BP and within, you know, just, just the everyday. Because as Brett said, that's a very humbling experience when you go from the very top to a nobody is taking your spot. And that nobody, Gary, it arguably is the reason why the team is uh, in this position, wouldn't you say? Yeah, no, I would agree that. I mean, you just looked up and down this lineup and a lot of the guys, they've been str- they've had their struggles this year. And so – just to see him kind of go through those same struggles. And he's I still – we don't know if he's made it out on the other side yet, but, hey, who knows? He could be there by the end of this weekend if everything goes right for him. I, I stick Think, with Tim Becker and everything here because he, he was the energizer in that regional, mm-hmm. Gary. You got to – yeah, no, yeah. you got to feed the hot hand. Well, and one last thing on Cabell, um, an interesting narrative. I know, like, we're, we're not sure if he's going to get playing time at all this weekend. Uh, but he was originally committed to LSU. He had actually signed his letter of intent and was able to get out of it to attend Florida State and join that, that this 2019 class. That's just another interesting storyline for, for a guy uh, like Cabell. And, 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 and uh, Luke, I just want to go back to what you said about, you know, watching his batting practice. Not only does he have the most raw power in that recruiting class, he's got, in my opinion, the most raw power on the entire team, you know, more, more than guys like Drew Mendoza. Mm-hmm. I agree. Good that we're all he's on the gonna, same page then. He, he's going to be the guy that, that you – when Drew Mendoza obviously is going to leave, sign his million, $2 million contract. But Elijah Cabell, he's that guy that's going to step into that slot that Drew Mendoza leaves. And even though this is Mike Martin's last year, he's the type of guy that that can have the respect of that type of recruit. Because some sometimes those people um, – for lack of a better word, are pretty boys. And as soon as mm-hmm. they, they don't get what they want, they're going to quit on their team and do, do what not. It doesn't look like he's quitting on his team. I think he's taking mm-hmm. this um, to a next level. And I wouldn't be surprised if next year um, he takes a huge step up because the strikeouts have been the problem, Gary. But it's just patience. When you're a young batter, um, that's some of the, the next level is something that you take a little bit to get used to. Let's just look at J.C. Flowers, Gary. He was batting 188 his freshman year. Um, mm-hmm. barely he, he was a nine hole hitter. I, I, I couldn't even see why he was in the game. And now he's one of the power hitters on Florida state's team and the closer for Florida state. Exactly. And got drafted in the fourth round as yeah. a pitcher, as a pitcher. After, but after going, pitching for the first time since his high, high school years. 
Exactly. And going back with Cabell, the, what struck me about him that's kind of different and what I guess could also be about Flowers, I didn't see Flowers really play his freshman year as I wasn't there. But he's kind of – it's interesting to see him go through this kind of thing because he the, – all the time with Martin, with the teams that Martin puts out there, they're all very disciplined. They know when to strike. They don't jump at the ball and towards the ball. And Cabell's kind of the opposite of that. Cabell wants to attack. He's always ready to go, and he wants to make contact, and he wants to just get on base via hit, and he's not always there for the walks. Obviously, he'll say that he is, and he'll want to just get on any way that he can. But he's just a very aggressive hitter where most Mike Martin hitters are very disciplined and kind of relaxed in the box. And it'll be interesting to see if that the what the teachings that Mike Martin has put on him this year kind of stick with him throughout the rest of his college career, or if he kind of just sticks and does his own thing. I don't yeah. know if you guys have noticed that at all. I, I, I agree with that, Gary, because you look at it, and just even as a young player for any level, um, the adjustment period is big. It, it, mm-hmm. it really is. And and for him, I I do think that this – just this in itself will make him a better player for next year. Um, and – that confidence, I, I guarantee you, when he, he was benched for a walk-on, that probably killed him, killed him inside. But you got to have that type of, um, I don't want to say Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant mentality, but the killer mentality <laughs> to say, I'm going to get – It's a way to get better, Gary. It's a mm-hmm. way to get better. And I don't know. I, I'm very optimistic for, for the next year for him. And really, I, I'm going to say it here. I'm going to speak it into existence. I I think that he he somehow in this in this series is going to make an impact on a pitch hitting uh pinch hitting uh opportunity. Okay. Okay, I can see that. Okay, I know you were tweeting out earlier today. You you're trying to speak a yeah. lot of things into existence right now. You tweeted out the Mike <laughs> Martin, the we going back clip. So that that is like, you know, we me and Brett when we were going and talking back and forth, they kept on talking about the clip from ninety nine mm-hmm. um where oh, Mike the, Martin goes, wanna... We aren't yeah, I don't want to go home mm-hmm. and, and, and just trying to, to hype everyone up. Yeah, shout out to Brett with Kevin Cash in the in the clip right there. Yeah. You could see the back yeah. of his jersey. <laughs> yeah, for the the Rays manager. And so I said, yes, the current. You know, that's a that's a great clip. But let's go back to a clip from two years ago when this Florida State team two years ago is the exact same type of team that Florida State is right now. Carrie, they mm-hmm. had not reached 40 wins in the regular season. It was a down year. The year before was supposed to be the year where they were supposed to do damage at the uh, College World Series. They didn't. That 2017 year, they were not, you know, they weren't anything. And for Mike Martin to get a chance to go back to um, Omaha, you saw how excited he was. And just him slamming his hands on the table and going, we're going back. And you can see J.C. Flowers in that picture as a freshman. And how, how exciting that would be. Just you can you can feel how energized the team. It's it's the second season as you said, but the team is just so energized right now. I want to see that Mike Martin when when Florida State hopefully because we don't want to pay any hotels uh, sweeps <laughs> sweeps LSU this weekend. Sneaking into existence, Gary. We're going back. All right, so Luke, I guess I, the, I guess that's your prediction. No. We'll save that for later. But <laughs> go on, Brett. <laughs> Well, first, I just want to say, Luke, I think I heard you about 10 minutes before we started the show. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to make any predictions on yep. the show. I'm just going to kind of preview. I got worked up. That's out the up. window. No, but you know who else is worked up? That, you know, Mike Martin and, and, and Luke. I don't know if you noticed it at the end of batting practice. He tried to pick up and, and move the batting cage. Try to put, like, move back the batting cage. Like, I, He's a I little kid, man. He's assist- a kid again. <laughs> yeah. I watched some of his assistants and players kind of run over and, like, Coach, you know, take it easy. You know, we we got this. Don't worry about it. But but he is, I'm I'm sure, as jacked as ever for this series. And, and one more thing, just about the you know the the outlook for this series, LSU and Florida State, known for their amazing college football atmospheres at Dope Campbell Stadium and at Tiger Stadium, and the baseball teams for 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 both programs, probably you know probably don't get to experience it that often, especially if they're not getting to Omaha. But I'm I'm thinking that this weekend they're both going to get, uh, you know, that under the lights on ESPN atmosphere where it's a sold out crowd. A lot of Florida State fans are traveling. I know that for a fact. It's going to be, and I yeah, I think I've said it two or three times already. It's going to be a crazy fun weekend of baseball. 
That's what I like to hear, guys. I'm excited for it, too. And let's go back to 2017, like Luke was saying about that clip. He noticed J.C. Flowers in that pick. I want you guys to give me the three other players, or guess the three other players who are on that team that are also going to be playing in this series or on the Ooh, roster this year. That's a good one. That's um, I'm going Clayton Kwiatkowski. Nope. Wait. Is oh, it? Miss. I I thought that's right. I don't believe... He was a Wait, freshman Drew last year. Drew Mendoza played first base that year, I believe. Yeah. Correct. Gary, Gary, I think Clayton Kukowski is a sophomore. Missed that one. We got okay. So there are four then. So Kukowski. Ooh, here. you missed it, man. Let's I go. Did miss that <laughs> one. Okay. So name the okay. So name the three other guys. So he Breck got Mendo. Who else? There's two others. I said Kukowski. Um, with Mike Flowers. Salvatore. No, no, because he's Juco. Um, let's see. Uh, is it a reliever? There is a pitcher on this. Yes, it is a reliever. Um, Haney, or what's his name? Is Correct, it, is Haney. That... Oh! Haney. Haney and then, here, I don't I mean, mean to be a guy one... here, but I don't follow Florida State baseball as much as State sports. Brett, where are you at, buddy? There's one more. Then again, I've been missing... at school for like five years. You guys, are so... missing... you guys are missing one of the easiest ones right now, I think, in my opinion. Or maybe you guys were saying in that whole scrum. I must be looking at the long roster. Reese Albert. Yeah, I was about to say Reese Albert. That was going to be my guess. No, I believe Reese Albert was a freshman last year. Really? Okay, obvious one. Well, Luke has been at Florida State since that 1999 clip. It is Drew Parrish. There you go. There you oh, go. That's an easy one. That's okay. Yeah, there, I know. No, that's Luke, you, you guys are missing the easy one. I think Luke, I hit. You, I think I hit every single one except for one. Jeez, Brett, get on your game, bud. No, yeah. no but Luke, you've been at Florida State since that 1999 season that the clip hey, that's been surging unfair, around. Unfair, yeah. unfair advantage for me. I totally agree, <laughs> Brett. Brett yeah, is Luke. Brett is a little 19. Brett came to Florida State as a 17 year old, Gary. Wow. wow. Could you wow. imagine that? That's I didn't old. think seventeen-year-olds could qualify for school. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. Either, Slight dig. These Slight dig. Keep getting younger and younger. That's what I, all I got to say. But yeah, so I mean, like going in, going with this roster here. There's obviously now five guys. Sorry, I forgot Kwiatkowski. There are five guys who have played this LSU team before and have played Paul Mar- a Paul Marinari team. Do you think they have any advantage to coming into this, knowing what they they might be seeing? Obviously, Martin knows what he's going to be seeing this whole weekend, but this, these five Gary, guys, Gary, I don't think they do, and I think that actually is a is a very um, good benefit for them because they're playing like their pants are on fire. Let's let's mm-hmm. let's let's not you know they they aren't supposed to be here, um, yep. and bunch a bunch of these kids don't know what it feels like to be in this big situation. So it's another game for them. So in my opinion, it's better off that they they haven't been in this this type of situation where it's not necessarily the College World Series, but Mike Martin's kind of – the way he's formulated this team is he didn't expect too much out of it um, towards the middle of the season. And now they've got – Gary, it's, it's their coach's last year. It's their manager's last year. They've got nothing to lose. And these players um, – these players are playing like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm mean, obviously we said on the last show they're playing with house money at this point, and they, like you said, I agree, have nothing yeah. to lose. So let's get into the pitching matchups for this series. They, I have them right in front of me. We got LS game one for LSU. They're going with freshman right-handed pitcher Cole Henry, who's four and two on the season with a three point five one ERA, fifty six point one innings pitched, fifteen walks, and sixty nine strikeouts. He will be going up against. Junior left-handed pitcher Drew Parrish from Florida State, who went eight and five this year at the five oh seven ERA, eighty one point two innings pitched, twenty nine walks, and one hundred and twelve strikeouts. What are your thoughts on this first pitching matchup, Brett? Well, you, you look at Drew Parrish, and this was kind of the main talking point, not only on Talking Shop, uh, but on Tomahawk Talk this last week too. Mm-hmm. Is who is Florida State going to go with for this first game? I know a lot of people were clamoring it for it to be C.J. Van Eyck, who has pretty much undoubtedly been the best pitcher on this Florida State staff as of late. Um, but they stuck with Drew Parrish. He's been a Friday starter all year. I know game one's not until Saturday. Um, but the day one starter, he is not going to dominate. 
He is not going to overpower these LSU hitters, but he's got some great stuff. And from what I'm seeing out of Cole Henry, it's a lot of, of similarities between him and, and, and Drew Parrish. Obviously, Henry comes from the right side, um, but he's not going to dominate guys. But he, he, He's still going to generate a lot of strikeouts. Um, he, he'll give up a walk here and there. Um, but but at the end of the day, uh, I think this is probably just about as even as a pitching matchup as you can get. Yeah, no, I I mean I'm gonna <laughs> loop. keep going. Sorry, that was I was pulling up a video of Cole Henry right yeah. now. <laughs> oh, I I can um I'll, well I'll say this um in this situation, it's a home game for LSU. That's that's the big that's the th- big thing. It is it is a home game for LSU. I think this whole weekend's but, a home game for LSU. <laughs> well. Yeah, obviously. But what I'm saying is, <laughs> for a freshman, they aren't accustomed to this moment. Um, I, Gary, what's the biggest stadium you played in high school? Biggest, with fans, I should say. Biggest stadium. The, the biggest crowd you played with in high school. It was probably my senior year when we were playing Park Vista, which was probably about 75 to maybe 80 people, and the majority of them were scouts looking at the starting pitcher. And so that was okay, pretty so, nerve-wracking. Yeah, so a hundred a hundred people is your is your max crowd. Yeah. Now, obviously, he's he's pitched and uh, at at LSU Stadium before, and it's not that big of a deal. But it translates, Gary. Mm-hmm. The, this is a big time matchup. No matter what people say, these are the two lower tier teams, right, Brett? The two lower mm-hmm. tier teams in in left in the uh, in the College uh, World Series. But these are story programs, uh, Brett. When we were looking. LSU's got six national titles. Six. Yeah. I mean, they're uh, that, that's something. I mean, I didn't know very much about LSU until I got here, and for for what Mike Martin has done in forty years and what LSU has, these, this is a great matchup. But what I'm saying, what I'm trying to get to is, Drew Parrish is is a junior. He's been Rocky Star. I I mean, I bashed him what a week and a half ago when mm-hmm. he was on Tomahawk uh, when we were on Tomahawk Talk, Gary and I said TJ Evan Ike should should start. Right now, yep. I, I think that Drew Parrish believes that this is his moment. And in my opinion, I like, I like him going right now because him up against the freshman is a great, is a great matchup for Florida State. No, I have to agree with that. And the whole, looking at the whole rest of the starting rotation for LSU this weekend, the oldest guy is Eric Walker, who, who's going, if necessary, on game three on Monday, and he's a sophomore. Their first two starters for LSU are freshmen. With Landon, wow, or is that Marco? I'm gonna guess it's Marco. It's the E A U X spelling. So, but yeah, so they're gotcha. going young, young, young for this weekend, and it's interesting with what Paul Marinari is doing there. So, Gary, I want yeah. I want to pick your brain here. What a gym, Connor Grady. It was Connor Grady who threw the uh, who who threw on um, the game, game three against, against Georgia. Mm-hmm. Against Georgia, yes. What, what a gym he threw because that spot has been basically open the whole year who's going to take the reins who's who's going to come through after that start you've got to be super confident by oh, yeah. uh, from from Florida State where whereas early in the season I'm I mean Florida State teams Gary they peak too early they really mm-hmm. do and, and it's this kind of has PCC a feeling thing. yeah it, it, this kind of has a feeling of where the the pitchers are getting the confidence at the right time and as you said house money I like where Florida State is pitching wise, and the bats lit up. I mentioned on Tomahawk Talk, Florida State had batted two sixty eight. I believe they had in the uh, um, on the broadcast. It was two sixty eight on the season, mm-hmm. and in the super regional, they were batting four eleven. Yeah, I mean that's this just... team's hot, Gary. Do you want to play Florida State right now? Do you want to play Florida State? No, I don't want to play Florida. I don't want to play last weekend's Florida State, but depending Ooh. on how Florida state transitions and how they cool off or if they cool off, I mean, it could change the whole thing. And Connor Grady, obviously in that last game against Georgia was phenomenal. Went seven innings and gave up only one run on six hits. And he really is setting himself up to be a possible starter next season. And it's, he's, and and especially what he's done on the week, on the midweek games too. He's been very good this year. And he's certainly kind of, he's certainly outshone Pollock. And Drohan, let's just – I'm I'm just going to say it. it yeah. uh, maybe it's the recency bias getting to me, but I think he could possibly be the Friday or Saturday starter going into next season, depending on what he shows in the offseason. 
And going back to what you're saying about if I want to play Florida State, I wouldn't. I don't think I would want to play Florida State right now, giving you my definitive answer there. But looking into game two, you guys are going to get who you guys want to start with Van Eyck, sophomore, obviously from Florida State, ten and three, seven point three point seven one, not seven Gs. That would be awful. Three point seven one ERA, eighty seven point one innings pitched, and so forth. He'll be going up against right freshman right hander Landon Marco. I'm pretty sure that's Marco. I don't know. He's got a five and two record on the year, four point six four ERA, fifty four point one innings pitched, nineteen walks, and forty one strikeouts. The guys that they're going with this weekend, or at least the first two starters, they don't have as many innings compared to the guys from FSU. I mean, they're certainly not these. There looks, I, from what I can tell, it looks like they're going with more of a reliever kind of setup here. It feels like I don't know if you guys have gotten the same vibe from them, right? Yeah, I mean, the, the, what's happened with LSU is, is kind of where I thought Florida State was headed at the beginning of the season, where their Friday-Saturday starters at the beginning of the season weren't quite panning out to where what LSU was, was running out of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they started taking midweek guys, uh, and Marco was a midweek guy to start the season, uh, but he proved to do you know very well, including a, a great outing against Auburn last month where he went seven strong, only gave up one run and, and, and struck out seven. And they kind of watched these young freshmen uh, like Henry and then like, like Marco um, develop into the, the guys that are going to take their pitching staff into the next two or three seasons. Um, so again, like I know Luke mentioned it, this is, an, this is an atmosphere that they're not used to. They're coming out of high school. But in the SEC and in SEC baseball, anytime they took the mound, they were, they were facing the best lineups in the country. Um, Cole Henry had a lot of success against Georgia and Texas A&M, two very good teams. And then Marco had success against teams. You know, he, he had two wins against Auburn, I think. So, you know, just these guys, even though they're freshmen and they haven't played super regional baseball before, they haven't played for, a, you know, a shot at Omaha on the line, they're tried and tested. Uh, and, and the SEC does that as much as we might not like to admit it. Um, these guys are going to be ready, uh, and it's going to be a matter of whether or not Florida State's bats stay hot. Mm-hmm. Luke, you got any thoughts on Mr. Marco? Luke? Luke, are you there? Brett, you might have yeah, to check um, on him. I don't know if he's got a pulse over on that. In that no, I think he uh, – I think he took his AirPods out to pass it over to Gianna. Oh, okay. All right, perfect. Okay, that's fine. So going, yeah, going back to the whole the idea of is the is this going to be too big of a moment for them? I yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you. I think these guys know what they're getting into. They wouldn't guys who don't think they or guys who won't perform on the big stage don't sign up at these big schools in the first place. And if he didn't, if he knew he can't perform on the big stage, you wouldn't sign up to play in one of the biggest stages in the SEC, not only in college baseball. No, definitely not. You know, these, these guys, you know, and, and again, um, it's, it's going to be a matter of if Florida State's bats do slow down, not only were, was Florida State's offense red hot last weekend, the pitching to start the game and to finish the game out of the bullpen really stepped up. Obviously, C.J. Van Eyck got off to a little bit of a bumpy start against Georgia, gave up that leadoff home run, but got right back up on the mound and, and pitched what I'd almost call a gem, just great stuff throughout the game, went deep into the game. Um, and, and if he can keep that up this weekend, he'll solidify himself as one of the most promising pitchers in all of college baseball going into the, the 2020 season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and let's get into some of the more the run scoring aspect, like you were saying about Florida State's bats getting hot. This LSU team, they can they obviously can put up a lot of numbers. Going on to what their record is when opponents score X amount of runs, they don't have a losing record until teams get to six runs scored. From zero to five runs, LSU has a winning record against teams that score zero to five runs in a game. And not only till you get to six plus, that's when they have a losing record. And for when LSU scores, was it whenever they only score one run, they're one and six when LSU scores that. And then for every other iteration except for the number four, for some reason, they have a winning record. So mm-hmm. how much is it going to be for FSU to be getting big numbers on the board like they were last week? And do you think they'll be able to get out of here with a couple, maybe three, two wins if, if need be? 
I mean, I think starting off hot is has got to be the priority. Getting a run across the board in the first inning really changes the outlook of any baseball game. Um, so it's going to be, you know, how, how 11 writes out the lineup is going to make a big difference in, in how the rest of the game plays out. If you can get one run across the board and, and, and keep LSU off the board in, in the bottom half of the game, you put yourself in, and I think the numbers prove this, you put yourself in a much better position to win that baseball game. And that's how you can kind of get pitchers, their pitch counts going up. You can get, get to the bullpen a little faster. And by the time you get to the seventh or eighth, they might not be – they might be in their third or fourth arm out of the bullpen, and that's when you can really start padding on those runs. Mm-hmm. And going on to where LSU starts getting runs early, when LSU is leading after the first innings, the Tigers are 16-4. and four. So that uh-huh. just goes to show you that this team, just like FSU, gets – when they get hot early, they, st- they tend to lock up those games. And that's just proof by their record this season. And is there anyone on the other line? Uh, we heard some hey, chatter coming it's on. Hey, Gianna. I'm on now. Oh, hey, Gianna. Hey, right, Gianna's right. here. Good, good to hear you. All right, perfect. This is Gianna Arantes. Did I get the pronunciation right on the last name? Yes, you did. <laughs> perfect. I got that right. Gianna Arantes, she's from V89. She's one of the anchors over there in the sports department. She is also in Baton Rouge alongside Luke, Grand, Brett, and Alex for the whole weekend there. What are your thoughts on the weekend so far? How was the drive? Um, it wasn't bad. Luke drove most of the time, so that was pretty nice. I took a nap. Uh, we hit a pretty bad storm in Mississippi, but we made it alive. And uh, we got to see practice, so that was pretty cool. All right. Good. I'm glad to hear that. What are your thoughts on this series in general? What are, your, what, what are you looking to see out of this FSU team? Um, I mean, I definitely think that they're coming in hot after last weekend. But, you know, this is a home series for LSU. It's going to be tough. I don't think it's going to be easy. I I definitely think it'll go three games. But I think that as long as they strike early, FSU could come out with the win. And if pitching stays held up. All right. Good. That's what I like. That's great to hear. And, Gianna, I'll – who do you think is going to have to be the one breakout star for FSU or LSU for this series to go either way? Um, honestly, I think that FSU is just going to have to stay consistent. Like Mike Salvatore, Drew Mendoza, um, I know Carter Smith and Nander DeSatis were big in regionals. I think that everybody on the team up and down the lineup is going to have to perform if we're going to come out with the win this weekend. Do you got one person that you that you think is going to be the like the quote unquote MVP of this series? Honestly, I think it's going to come down to pitching. So I'm going to say CJ Van Eyck. Okay. Any reason why? Um, well, he's been great. I saw over his past eight games, he's seven and zero with a two point six eight ERA and sixty five Ks in forty seven innings. So, I mean, if he can keep that up, I really don't think that will give them a chance to. Exactly. Good. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he's been obviously having one hell of a season so far this year. And if he obviously can keep it up, FEC's got a very good chance of winning. Do you got a prediction for the series? What do you, what do you got? I say um, FSU in three. FSU in three. I think maybe they could drop the first or second game, but I, I think FSU in three. Okay. And do you think what – you, what are you giving for – what's your biggest run differential guess that you're going to give me for one of these games? Um, honestly, I think they're going to be pretty close. Uh, LSU's been pretty solid all season. I know they fell off um, – what, in regionals they played Southern Miss, and I think they won like 8-4 and 6-4. So mm-hmm. – I guess I'll say we'll win by four or five each game, give or take. Okay. Good. No. All right, Brett, what do you got for this series? I, I know you gave your prediction on our last episode. You gave FSU in three. I'm going to give you a get out of jail free card here. If you want, <laughs> you can get, you can back out or double down and go FSU for the sweep. Yeah, no, I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna double down. Uh, well, well, last week I, 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 I took I took Florida State in three, correct? Yes, you have FSU in three. It's been a long week, a lot of driving, a lot of moving around, and I think I'm gonna stick with that. You know, it's two teams that play into the top conferences in the country. 
played some great schedules. We know that both can beat top quality opponents, you know, Florida State. I wasn't convinced that they could. Then we watched their performance against Georgia. Um, and, and if we're going to talk about one thing that this series is going to come down to, and that's for Florida State pitching, and, and the starters especially, is to keep LSU shortstop Josh Smith off base. He, he leads the Tigers in hitting. He has stolen 20 bases um, for the Tigers, which is twice – and he, he leads the team. That is twice as much as any player on Florida State's roster have stolen this year. I think J.C. Flowers has 10 stolen bases on the year. Um, mm-hmm. but, but Josh Smith hitting 346 on the season – really has a knack for getting on base. His on-base percentage is a full 90 points higher at 436. He's drawn 28 walks, usually hits in the leadoff spot for LSU. And uh, when you're talking about Drew Parrish and C.J. Van Eyck and Connor Grady, to get off to good starts against LSU, they're going to have to keep him off base. Uh, You walk the leadoff batter, and a lot more often uh, than not, they're going to score that run. Um, And Smith, when he gets the first – He's going to try to take second, and that's something that Florida State is going to have to watch out for all season. Um, he, he's definitely the most dangerous hitter in LSU's lineup. Mm-hmm. And for myself, I think I might be giving myself the get-out-of-jail-free card. I had FSU sweeping the series against LSU last time wow. we talked here on Talking Chop. I think I'm going to back out of that prediction. I'm <laughs> – I'm, I, got, I think I was riding high after seeing FSU put up all those runs that weekend. I was just really up into it. I was really excited about it. I think I'm going to back out. I think I'm going to take the Tigers in three. I'm going to flip. I think I, I was, reading more into LSU, I think I'm going to flip. I don't know Astriana. too much about LSU, but I do think that um, the Athens Regional was great for us, but I don't think that we can depend on hitting all those home runs again. And, I mean, Tim mm-hmm. Becker was amazing, but I don't know. You know, it's kind of a long shot that he's going to come out again this weekend and hit another three homers. So, I feel like it's going to be a lot closer this weekend. Exactly. And, like like you said, the home runs were obviously that big factor. And home runs are, like I, I like to think, the ultimate rally killer. And not only is that kind of what that weekend was uncharacteristic because of all the runs FSU scored, it was also uncharacteristic because FSU only had three errors the whole weekend in their three games. That kind of scared me that they – or it kind of surprised me, not really scared me. It surprised me that they weren't were committing that many errors really on – or at least in the score sheet. They had some mental errors that I noted on the last episode. And I think the errors are going to come back to bite this FSU team in this series. And I don't know if they're going to be able to come back from those errors. So I'm flipping – I'm taking the Tigers in three. What? That's all, that's what I got. Gary. Yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, hey, this is the unbiased journalist in me. I think I respect LSU you for is, that. Yeah, yes, yeah Gary, you. I'm about, I'm a, I'm about to pass you over uh, to our good friend Alex Krutchik. But one last thing, I just want to say Baton Rouge so far has been beautiful. Getting to see Alex Box Stadium. We're gonna have to get you up here at some point. Uh, obviously <laughs> not this season, but maybe another season because it's been it's been a beautiful trip so far. Uh, thanks for having me on again, Gary. I'm going to get you over to, to Alex one second so he can throw his two cents in. All right, perfect. Thank you, Brett. But, yeah, I think this LSU team, I mean, something just strikes me different about looking at this team, and especially them playing at home. And it's looking at what Coach Molinari is doing at home, starting two freshmen in game one and two, especially in game one, which is such a crucial game for any of these kind of series. It makes me think that he knows something that we all don't right now. Kind of like what I was saying about what Mike Martin, when he started uh, Becker and Smith last series in Georgia, when he said when he started those guys, I texted Brett. I was like, what does Martin know right now? Or what has he seen out of these guys in these last couple of days leading up to it? So I think Molinari's got a couple of things up his sleeve. I think LSU is going to end up taking this series in three. It's going to be in heartbreaking fashion. I've been tweeting it out. I've been saying, when is this high? When are they coming down from this high? When are we all coming down from this high? of FSU scoring runs and playing really solid baseball. I think it's the week. I think this is the weekend. I think Monday night, we are going to get some heartbreak in Louisiana. So I don't know. Is Alex, Crutch- Alex, are you there or where are you at, bud? Gianna, are you there? I am here. Okay. You are yeah. still there at least. Thankfully I got at least one person online. I'm just not, and I'm just t- not talking into nothingness right now. <laughs> going back yeah. oh i think we got alex back i just got a little notification alex hey gary back? i'm okay great long time no talk hey man yeah man how are you 
Good, good, good. But going into the LSU, what are your thoughts on this whole series in general? Who do you got winning the series, and who do you got for an MVP? Well, I was taking a look at the pitching rotation first when I first uh, saw that uh, the baseball team had tweeted out. I don't know. I like Van Eyck, C.J. Van Eyck, pitching the second game because I like the idea mm-hmm. that, you know, game two means that he's definitely going to be pitching at some point in the series, but it also means that if you lose game one, it's not the end of the world. You know, if you lose game one while your best pitcher is pitching, then you feel like all hope is lost. But no, I like that Van Eyck is there, so if you lose, it's not the end of the world. I would mm-hmm. swap Connor Gray. I believe Connor Grady is going game three if necessary. Yes. I would take Connor Grady and swap him with Drew Parrish just based on the way that not only did they mm-hmm. each do during the regular season, but also what they did in the Athens region. I mean, uh, Connor Grady went seven innings. Or, or sorry. Um, just based on what they did during the season, I would put Connor Grady – I, I do like where Connor Grady is. Sorry, I read the uh, wrong number. Okay. I yeah, I yeah. disagree with you. Parrish is first, on, right? It's Parrish, Van right, Eyck, right, right. and then Grady. I think right, that's I... kind of like a safety net for them. So if something were to happen with Parrish, they have Van Eyck and Grady to lock it down for them in game two and three. Yeah, I agree. Like, I like, we all saw how Grady pitched in that Athens regional. He pitched very well in that. In and that Grady's last been game. great all season. Exactly. He's been, a, he's been that solid rock in the midweek games that this team can lean on. And so I think that's going to be big for FSU going into these last couple of games, that they have someone in that crucial game three that can give them that stellar outing if need be. But they also have the – they can also just go and pull them if they need it and just yeah. go back to the pen. So, And, yeah, in game two, if it comes to that, they could always use Grady in relief. So I, I like the way that it's stacked up. Mm-hmm. Right, but and I agree Alex, with the safety. I, Sorry, continue. Yeah. Or, yeah, Alex, I was about to say, I like how you were going with it, your idea that not starting Van Eyck in your game one because, how you said, it's such a, it would be such a mentally defeating kind of loss if they started their best pitcher, their hottest pitcher, and he were to just get rocked, say, in game one, and they end up losing, and then going into game three with Par- or game, game two with Parrish, and him kind of maybe me being mentally checked out or mentally down on himself along with the whole team. And that could end, end up just snowballing into possibly LSU sweep, which I don't even have LSU sweeping in this series. But go on with what your thought was just before. Yeah, well, what I was going to say was I agree with the uh, safe Brady going game three, but I also like the idea of trying to finish this as quickly as you can and don't even let it get to a game three. Mm-hmm. You know, it would be great if you could put Connor Grady and then C.J. Van Eyck as a one-two punch. And if you have to go to a game three, then you can – figure it out then and yeah it kind of stinks that you have someone who you weren't able to really trust that much in the Athens region I'm looking right now Drew Parrish went five innings gave up five earned runs uh, against FAU in that regional so yeah it kind of stink going into a game three situation with that as your starter but you know with a Grady and then Van Eyck one two punch hopefully you don't even need to get to that point mm-hmm. and going and who do you have winning this series and in what, how many games well, it's definitely going three games, I think, just mm-hmm. based on the way the rotations are set up for both sides. Uh, I don't know. I do see FSU as the hot team. They really have nothing to lose. They're not even supposed to be here right now. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like they're going to play spoiler in front of the crowd at Alex Box. Okay, so you got FSU in three. So you are now the third person with FSU in three. <laughs> you joined Gianna and Brett. So good to know that we have – a very pro FSU podcast here. Good to know for the talking shop. And I don't <laughs> Wait, know very unbiased. I've yes, got a unbiased. question for you guys. Yes. So what do you think about after the MLB draft, we've got uh, Mendoza, Parrish, Flowers, and Salvatore. Do you think that that's a motivating factor in their game, or do you think it's sort of a distraction for them? I don't know if it would be that much of a distraction. Uh, I don't even know how much of even a motivating factor it is. Do you think it affects they... it all? Just wondering. Yeah. Oh, it I... definitely affects you at least a little bit during the week, if anything, while you're on your break. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, it, I think it brings kind of like a gives – you gives them kind of a high, like, wow, I just accomplished that one of my goals in life that could have been – that could be getting drafted. But I think it also kind of gives them a little – I think it can actually give them a little bit of extra motivation because – a lot of guys, whenever they reach that mountain point or mountaintop or they reach 
a goal of theirs. Some people will just kind of relax and be like, thank gosh, I'm done doing that. I got, I can now relax, take a load off for a minute. But these guys, I think they have that kind of internal mental clock. That's what makes them a little bit different than all of us that says, Hey, it's not over yet. We got a lot more work to do here. So I think just this, just getting drafted makes them think, Hey, we got, we got, there's still unfinished business here in this one town and we got to do this before we get to that. So I think if anything, it's going to be out of motivation for them. I don't know if you agree with that, Alex, or. No, right. And I don't even know if it's motivation or just a weight off their shoulders. I mean, now they have one less thing to worry about. They already know they're being drafted. Mm-hmm. They know what city they have to report to. They, I think at this point they know a ballpark estimate at the very least of how much money they're making. And yeah, it could easily make someone less motivated, but I, I think that it'll just make a huge weight come off their shoulders. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. They could even be as, as crazy as it sounds, they seem to have been playing very loose and light last weekend in Athens. Who knows? They could be even playing even lighter this weekend in Alex box. So, right. I don't know. Do you, did you have it? I don't think you for this series, like Gianna did. Gianna had Van Eyck. I don't think Brett or Luke really gave an MVP. I haven't given an MVP, a possible MVP out yet. But who do you got for MVP for this Florida State team, obviously, because you have them winning? I think if, Alex, I think that the yeah. player that has to perform best in order for them to win is going to be Drew Mendoza. Mm-hmm. I, I, as much as uh, the Tim Becker story is great and it's fantastic, I don't think you could actually rely on him in back-to-back weeks. I mean, hopefully we see more magic. But I think Drew Mendoza is someone that, that's been consistently good this year, and he's someone that you could actually realistically rely on for the series. I'm going to have to agree with that. But one concern that I do have about Mendoza is that sometimes he's a bit, let's call it a bit inconsistent on, on the hot corner. Do I'd you agree. think the errors are going to come into play this weekend? And if so, when do you think they might strike? Because he does have, what is this, 15 errors on the season? Wow. I didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. Alex, any thoughts on your MVP with the errors? Um, yeah, I think that – I think that he – hopefully he will just um, – what's the word I'm looking for? His offense will hopefully outperform his subpar defense is what I'm trying to say. Okay. Hopefully. Overcompensate, yes. Yep. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, obviously he was able to do that last weekend, so – yeah, because there were a few errors. I mean, I don't. It doesn't look like they were recorded as the box sheet or the score sheet for FSC baseball for the season. Doesn't it's still at fifteen for the year. He did have a. I would say a couple errors that I noticed that weren't maybe no shotted down. But I think he should be able to hopefully for this FSU team to be able to lock it up and stay solid over there on the hot corner. I think that's all. You guys, any have any final thoughts for this series? Any final thoughts for Louisiana in general? I've never been to Louisiana. I don't know what you guys' thoughts are on the, t- on the thing on the city or not. City, no, state. I'm just excited. I it's nicer than I expected. Honestly, <laughs> seeing LSU, <laughs> the SEC money they have, it's it's mm-hmm. a beautiful place. The stadium was beautiful. Um, I mm-hmm. mean, we were there for a short time, but. I'm very excited for tomorrow. Oh, yeah, Luke did a great job picking out our Airbnb. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was surprisingly impressed. I mean, I thought it would be okay, but it's really nice. So um, I'm looking forward to the weekend. Wish you could have been here, Gary, but mm-hmm. maybe next year. <laughs> I, I'm gonna, I want to send this over to the Louisiana Department of Tourism from this podcast. Gianna Arantes, Louisiana is better than I expected. <laughs> I think that's a good quote to send over to them. I think they would enjoy that. Alex, I got one question for you guys. Did you guys see Mike the Tiger yet? No, but we want to go. No. I, you guys have to see Mike the Tiger and take a picture yeah, with Mike the Tiger. Yeah, Brett please. has actually been begging us to go. I thought that Mike the Tiger um, wasn't surviving anymore. Is there a second Mike the Tiger? There, I'm not I really sure. They're, I believe they're on like Mike the Tiger. I'm pretty sure there's a lot of reincarnations. Yeah, this is like Mike 7. <laughs> Let me see. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Luke is saying that the Georgia one is the one that died. No, Ugga's still alive. I saw Ugga this year. Gary said he's still alive. Ugga's still alive. There's multiple Uggas. There's multiple Uggas. There's multiple Mike the Tiger. Yeah, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if they just switched out Mike the Tiger one. I mean, (laughs) that's terrible. That's very sad. (laughs) I mean, no, you're right. They do do this. A lot of schools here. We're on Mike the Tiger 7 right now. Mike oh my the Tiger, goodness. he's been Mike the, 
Mike the Tiger, <laughs> this Mike the Tiger, seven, has been there since 2017. Six lived from, or was Mike, or at least at LSU from 07 to 16. So they do live there for quite a bit. But yeah, this is number seven now. So wow. I want you guys well, to say hi to Mike the Tiger at his. Yeah. He's got a pretty, he's got a pretty sweet enclosure there. I mean, <laughs> not, not to be all up in supporting zoos and all that. And you know, I know there's a the whole animal <laughs> cruelty thing with that. We're getting a Mike little the, controversial Tiger, here, Gary. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying Mike the Tiger looks like he's got some pretty sweet digs there over near the stadium, yeah. over near the football. He looks like he's in better shape than some Tigers oh, in a while. Oh, he's for sure in better shape. <laughs> I mean, have you seen the kibble? Have you seen? The- I mean, because he's also. Hmm? Keep going. He's also taking. Uh- Hello? Hello? I think he blacked out, maybe. I think uh- he'd have got him. Oh. <laughs> Probably. Well, yeah. Well, um, yeah, we're excited for Louisiana. Wish you were here, Gary. But that's pretty much all we've got from here. We'll keep you updated and uh, we'll send you pictures of Mike the Tiger when we finally make it. Please do. And thank you guys for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you guys for going out there in general. It's really great to have some people, some FSC media out there representing for us and getting of course. some in-person Gotta coverage. B89. Exactly. And thank you to Luke Faye for covering for the FSVU. Yes, I heard that, Luke. Oh, yeah. And FSVU. <laughs> yes, and the FSVU. you got to remember who and, is um, running the show Alex here. here for- <laughs> and Alex Franchise Sports. Franchise Sports. Franchise oh, Sports. Back. Franchise Sports. We're shouting out everyone today. But, yeah, thank you guys for coming on and uh, talking. Luke and your brother started Franchise Sports. What? Shout out, shout out Max, Max, Max Fay. Yep, Max. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shout out Max Fay. Okay, so thank you guys for coming on. Really appreciate it. Really appreciate all you guys for going out there and doing that, like I've said. Thank you all for get, li- listening to this episode of Talking Shop. So please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and now I believe we just got on Google Play. I believe Google Play or Google Podcasts, one of those few. We are now on that. Subscribe to us there if you do not have either the aforementioned two. And rate us five stars, subscribe, follow us at FSVU Sports on Twitter. And that's it for all of us over here. See you next time.